This episode is sponsored by New Balance and Sarah's taking on the 2024 TCS London Marathon with their support. Today, we're really excited to talk to you about two specific shoes from the Fuel Cell range. Yes, the brand new Fuel Cell Rebel V4. Now, I have the luxury of training in a few different pairs of shoes. So currently how I use this shoe is in my tempo runs, my interval runs, my kind of faster sessions. Also, what I'm throwing at those sessions is the Fuel Cell Super Comp Elite V4 from New Balance. Because you'll be wearing those on race day. Yes. And I wore the V3 back for my Valencia Marathon PB in December and I'm excited as a shoe geek because they're essentially the ultimate marathon racing shoe based on innovation including being tested by athletes like the American marathon record holder Emily Sisson and she's run 218.29 so she's not hanging about. No I'll be slightly behind that time. Marginally. Marginally. Um, If you want to check out the Rebel V4 or the Supercomp Elite V4 head to the link in the show notes. Welcome to a very special edition of the Running Channel podcast. I'm joined by my incredibly talented and even more excitable co-host, Sarah Hartley, today. And she's coming all the way from Osaka in Japan. And then myself and Rick are back in London. Woohoo! We made Living it your best life in London. And we've actually managed <laughs> to make this happen with a nine-hour time difference, which I think is the most impressive thing. Do you really think that, that the nine-hour time difference is the most impressive thing? Or do you think the fact that you've literally, within the last day, well, the last few hours, finished uh, an incredible marathoning feat over the side of the world? Yeah, I mean, that's impressive too. And the time difference has massively played a part in making that much harder. So, <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll take credit for that. I'm amazing. You look fine, Sarah. <laughs> you look normal. I think I'm just riding the wave of adrenaline. Um, I, yeah, I did not sleep well at all last night. I got a bit too complacent with the jet lag and it came back and bit me in the bum. But I, I actually thought jet now lag was feel a state fine. of mind. Yeah, it is a state of mind <laughs> until it gets to like 3am and you're just sat awake being like, I have to leave to run a marathon in three hours. <laughs> I well, was like incredibly- counting sheep, trying everything. Well, incredibly, we're going to dive in, and that's obviously the main topic of today's podcast. We're also going to touch on the news, if that's anything near as important as what Sarah's news is, and then dive into your questions as well. So let's get stuck in. Right, so without further ado, I'm just going to ask you, how are you doing, Sarah? You've just finished a marathon in Osaka. How did it go? It was so hard so so hard but I am so pleased with the overall result so I knew it was going to be a challenge I knew I trained for a time that was like pretty aggressive if I was dealing with like a UK marathon where I could have had 10 hours sleep the night before and a really easy week leading up to it and then I probably could have targeted like sub 345 Uh, but no I flew across the other side of the world Uh, I had to battle a nine hour time difference and run a marathon. So I am incredibly chuffed to come away with a 10 minute PB of 349.29. Wow. wow. 349.29. That's amazing. And what was your PB before that? 359.58. Yes, with that sprint finish, incredible sprint finish at Berlin Marathon when you abandoned all sensibilities around filming and just went for the went for the line how much filming I, uh, are you doing doing during this one so i filmed all of it um you'll be able to see it all on youtube very soon and i did have another similar moment though where i was like i'm gonna hand over to future sarah and i've done a bit of voiceover post the race because ah, uh, like up to so up until the race I've been asking my coach Andy like what pace do I need to go what pace should I be doing for this marathon and he was like don't worry we'll chat about it when you get there and then so I got here and uh like a day went by and I was like okay 
I'm sure I'm sure he's going to bring it up soon. And then we <laughs> literally got to dinner the night before and I was like, oh my God, I actually don't know what I'm going to do if he turns around and goes like, let's go 3.30, just sprint off i mean i think that would have come out of that would have come out of nowhere i know i've spoken to him and he definitely thinks that's in your locker but but not yet yeah not definitely not yet um so he actually did a really really like intelligent pacing plan which was so good so i chunked it i did of course you did i did a trc podcast classic broke it down into chunks and each chunk had a different pace as well so i started off for the first 10k i ran at 5 30 per kilometer then when i got to 10k i turned it into 5 20 which actually felt pretty good then when i got to 20k i had to ramp it up again and go to 5 10 that felt oh, that's less a pretty good. Tough thing to be, that's a pretty tough thing to be hanging over you for that first 20k to be yeah. thinking about, I've got to go faster. Yeah, well, so the 5.30 and the 5.20, I was like, that's fine. Because 5.20 has always been, like 5.20 is the pace you need to run to run 3.45. And that's always been my kind of like default. If I'm tired, I can stick at that pace. So I was like, okay, those first two are fine. The 5.10, I was bricking it because <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea whether I could pick it up. And also it started, the race started to get a little bit hillier towards the latter stages, which is lovely. I'm so glad they did that. Yeah, how did Andy describe it to you beforehand? Lumpy. I think he either called it bumpy or lumpy. It's not bumpy and lumpy. There is one huge hill. Right, okay. You could just see runners being like killed off by this hill not literally well, but how, what, what point does that come in on the course like 30, the distance i in? think it was like 33 kilometers this hill oh wow so 20, 20 is that 20 miles on the nose yeah something, something and how long like does that. the I'm hill last a long time like i don't it felt like forever but in the, in the rest of the race fact, it was <laughs> yeah it was just it was just one big mountain to the top yeah um no the hill out is a hard time to hit a big hill yeah i think it was probably like it probably wasn't even any more than like 500 meters but you basically so the course route had loads of kind of switchback out and backs so that was really fun but you came into a switchback looked at the hill then turned right did about five kilometers and then came back to do the hill so yeah am i right there's a few one load those switchbacks they're like literally 180 turns like you see in triathlons is that right yeah, 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 yeah. Which actually, I actually quite liked it because the the bit that I found the hardest is actually from 35k-ish to the finish is one big straight line and you could see all the runners in front of you. And I found that so hard because it was like three to 4k of just like, I know I need to go over there. And it was kind of like yeah. a, what's it called? Like a mirage of like, it just got further and further and further away. Um, but no, I actually do quite like a hill. That's when I like knuckle down, get my head down and keep plodding, plodding along. But that one, my I think my pace went to like 6.30. <laughs> just because you could just feel everyone going like, oh no. <laughs> and then and then did you manage to kind of even the pace up again after, after you kind of came off the hill or, or was it a, a struggle for that whole last you know, seven or eight K post the hill. So it then went downhill a little bit, which was nice. And what, then... your, your race experience or the actual <laughs> elevation? <laughs> the actual elevation. Yeah, it then went immediately straight down and then it kind of flattened out. So past 30 kilometers, I didn't have a pace plan. It was kind of just, I think Andy said, run as you feel, um, which actually I struggled the most with because I find like 30 K, everyone always says 30 K is halfway in a marathon which it really is. And that is a good way to look at it because if you get to 21 and you think you're halfway, you'll get to 30 in like 
realize you're halfway and it's a bit yeah, crushing. Yeah, that last 10k must feel like a really long way. Yeah, it's super far. Time seems to move so much slower in that last 12k. Um, but yeah, I got to 30k and I think 30 to 35 was probably my slowest section just because I was like, I could go faster, but I could burn out. So I'm just going to go in my head. I could have got 340 if at the 30k mark I'd gone like right ramp it up again and go to like five minute splits but Mm. I just didn't did not have that in my legs what's the experience like of actually racing in Japan it's like another level it's it's really interesting so Tokyo Marathon is next week um which is another huge huge marathon in Japan and this it felt like Osaka is like a I don't know how to describe it. It felt like a, there were about 30,000 runners. So a huge, huge race. But it felt like a really intimate local race as you were running. Like okay, everybody really everybody cheering, if you made eye contact with them, would literally cheer for you like you were their own like child. They were just oh, wow. so They were just so into it. And I think as well, like because Japan's now opened back up, this is the first time in a while that they've had international runners back in this race. It was so nice to just get that like, oh, you've come here to run this. This is amazing. We're out like celebrating it. And also the other thing is, wow, Japanese runners are phenomenally fast. Like they're- Yeah, I think people don't realize the, people don't realize the depth in Japan. Like they're, Mm. they're such a, you know, I don't want to stereotype, but sort of a quiet, very polite, um, reserved culture. But the passion that they have for running and the fact that there are hundreds of professional runners that are all supported by the big corporations like Honda and Toyota or whoever it might be in Japan. And then I think I had a quick, I was desperately trying to find your results, Sarah, before you, uh, <laughs> before, before you let me know how you got on. And I couldn't find it anywhere, but I could see the top 30 or 40 or 50 elite men's times. And there's just the depth. Like, yes, there were some East African athletes at the, at the front. But the the Japanese depth then of the number of people sub two ten was phenomenal. Yeah, what was really cool as well is that there were lots of people out cheering, and it it, it you kind of got the feel that it's such a it's such a big part of if you live near here, you will come and do this race. And then once you like either don't want to do it anymore, or if you take a year off, you then come and cheer. Like there were, there were so many people stood on the sidelines and I was like, you're not just here cheering for a friend. You're here cheering like what this race is about. Like you're just, you're just here to, because you love it. Um, and I think you really do get that sense of like when when everyone hits the wall in a marathon, that's when you kind of see the difference between people who are kind of determined to just get to the end and people who are like, oh, why did I sign up to this? And I, there, I didn't really feel like there was anyone who was going, why did I sign up to this? It just got like more and more and more like, yeah. come on, we're almost there. This is amazing. And not even not even you there was no no moment at which you were thinking, what am I doing? This is the worst thing ever. See, I always get that in the first 20k which I need to work oh, on. Weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I literally spent I, the first 20K being like, why have I done this again? <laughs> and I'm, then I'm by blaming, the time... I'm blaming me for it, probably. Yeah, I'm like, oh, God, Andy set me up again. <laughs> Off I go. <laughs> I'm so he sorry. still hasn't run a marathon and I'm on my third. <laughs> oh, here we go, yeah. Yeah, like, whilst even though you're celebrating your own achievement, you still managed to have a dig at me, which is excellent. So I'm very yeah. proud of your achievements and, and I'll take that one on the chin. Um, culturally, was it strange to run, I guess... I assume a lot of the signage is still um, recognisable or is it complete like a complete culture shock? It was it was actually really good. I'd say the biggest culture shock was the expo because a lot of that was there is obviously 
um japan has only just opened up again after the pandemic so there were lots and lots and lots of restrictions in place to keep the race really safe um but because a lot of them weren't in english that was quite (laughs) quite challenging so i was very glad that i was out here with mizuno and there were lots of mizuno um like employees there who spoke english as well and could help us kind of get through it because you had to do you had there was an app where you had to kind of measure your temperature over the last like six or seven days i think and then give that to them and then it was all to do with qr codes you had to present your passport but they actually had i would say that if you can if you can either speak english or japanese then you are like set in this race they have english speaking kind of information guides all around the race and then yeah it was really good and then they had like kilometer markers so that was easy to see and then they also had so i always always almost pick up the electrolyte drink on a marathon and like i did it in the first one and it really yeah, nothing new on race day sarah no it really messed with my insides but i think the one today was called it was called like aqua something and it was in a blue cup and i and i was so close to being like oh but then i saw that it was like slightly translucent and i was like i don't think that's i don't think that's and then i got and then i ran a little bit further and there was one that clearly said water and i was like here we go got it yeah you got to be so you have got to be so careful haven't you the the sort of starting to get delirious and 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 like really desperately thirsty or whatever it might be and and if you're not carrying something that you're planning on taking you are waiting for the water stops uh making sure you don't just in a in a fit of desperation take something that's going to mess with you insides and have you diving into the toilets which i want to segue to toilets briefly just because just before recording you mentioned something and i actually don't know what but you were very excited to tell me about toilets oh so this is the other funny thing so because i was racing in japan i assumed when i was filming that most people around me wouldn't understand what i was saying so i could just kind of freely speak so when Uh it came when it came to talking about toilets i was like it's fine everyone around me isn't going to understand what i'm saying and i still don't know whether they did but basically because of the combination of jet lag and we left super early so we kind of had to prepare our own breakfast so i ended up having um like a sports bar for breakfast basically like a mixture of that what sort of time did you have to have breakfast as well uh six i think we had breakfast so not like ridiculously early but the race was i think we started at like 20 past nine so a, a bit of a gap but basically from six till one all i ate was either a bar or like energy chews so just all kind of sports nutrition sugar which is great for like powering you through the race but not so great when your insides are like what's going on and also for the last few days we've eaten out um at loads of kind of different japanese restaurants and the food has been out of this world but obviously you are going to get a little you posted some pictures of the food it looks amazing it's so good we went with on the first night we went with someone and we were literally just like order whatever you want and we'll try anything and it was so good but obviously like compared to like british food my stomach's already gone a little bit like okay this is new and then add in a whole six hours of sports nutrition and my stomach was just like what is going on so basically every single time i fueled during the race 
for a, for a like one to two kilometers i felt like i was gonna poo myself <laughs> i wonder whether you'd been you've been just one running along with a gopro shouting about how you need a poo <laughs> uh, thinking no, no so I was, yeah so i was running along going like and i don't know whether this is going to make it into the final video but basically there are loads of gopro clips where i'm going like oh, i really feel like i'm gonna pee myself any minute and then yeah. basically it got to the point where i was like oh Maybe it is just a fart, and I farted. <laughs> oh my god! And it was this like too much information, but I love it. Sorry, this is, this is what happens when you run. Runners always talk about toilet stuff, but yeah, basically, I farted at like fourteen kilometers, <laughs> <laughs> and one into my GoPro. I was like, sorry to the people behind. So I hope they didn't speak English. And two, incredible. It was one of those ones where I was like, it's fifty-fifty whether that was a fart. Oh, oh, Sarah, this is the stuff that people are here for. This is what people yeah, are tuning yeah. into the Running Child podcast. Yeah. It's the, the reality. Look, of I just want to tell. Yeah, but so many people will go on Instagram and be like, wow, look at all the pretty shots. I want to get down to the nitty gritty of like, you know, that that's a thing that could happen. I remember and Berlin Marathon. I ran behind someone who it, it wasn't a fart and you could see it wasn't a fart. <laughs> yeah, oh, you've got to be careful of your rough. shorts colour. I think, I think black shorts, black shorts the way forward for a marathon. But this is on, what on I said. Course, yeah, on the course itself, the, I assume Japanese portaloos are normal, but like Japanese toilets in hotels and stuff are not normal for a, for a, a kind of Western UK, what you're used to. Oh yeah, this has been incredible. So the one that we have in the hotel, it's a heated seat, which takes a little Lovely. bit of getting used to. And then it has the full, like what you would expect where you press a button and it can... <laughs> I don't know how to just describe strange. it. It's just strange. Shoot yeah. water up your bum. Shoot, yeah, shoot water. Yeah. Uh, any part of your bum as well front or back oh, oh, oh lovely oh, yeah there's, there's all sorts of nozzles and jets and buttons right there's really yeah. it's really complex buttons on the side of a toilet and then i'm excited i'm going to tokyo tomorrow so and apparently the ones there like play music to you as well as you do your thing oh well that's uh well that's very nice yeah, yeah. so back to the the, the back to, we shouldn't spend too long on toilets you know we want to give people the reality <laughs> yeah. but then we want to back bring to back 349 to the, that should be a nickname yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, Andy. we should call her 349 when you're coming back, 349. Yes, going spend some time in Japan. But when you, I, I want to talk about one question in the in the race. So you're running in the Mizuno Rebellion Pro. Um, yeah. We're filming. Oh, very handily, they are behind you. So if, uh, for for video viewers, wow, Sarah's holding they look them up. Clean. They look clean. They, can't Ran believe in, you just actually. smelled them. <laughs> I think these are the one I ran in. I've got two pairs. Yeah, these are the ones oh, I ran off. in. They actually don't smell that bad. I'm quite impressed with that. I did pour water on them at one point though by accident. So these are the Mizuno Rebellion Pro, which are, I mean, they look like a prototype shoe. They are a shoe that you can buy. And, and when we were at the National Running Show in Birmingham, people were queuing to try these out on the treadmill. What's interesting, though, is so we also we, we've been here um, with Mizuno and we went on a tour of their new innovation center, which is called the Engine. Incredible building there. They were talking about how this shoe had evolved from I think it was called the Wave Jewel Pro, which they launched last year. And that one is modeled off of a like sprint spike basically this one kind of has the heel cut off but much less aggressively the world wave jewel like doesn't have a heel at all and they've basically modeled yeah. off that and it's called i think speed assist to kind of push when you put on a super shoe it feels different but this one especially feels like really really different yeah just to wrap up on that i suppose that the me um that makes sense that, that they've, if they've been developed from a sprint spike. So I used to, I suppose, 
running a mile, you kind of had the option of running in a slightly more aggressive sprinter spike or like a longer distance 5k 10k spike and i would always choose to run in the longer distance 5k 10k spike because i didn't like how aggressive the other ones were just didn't suit my mechanics so actually that is a bit of insight as to why they felt like they did for me because just the way of my my foot strike and the way that i kind of roll through um i've always gone for something well yeah you guys would definitely accuse me of being old and boring so no surprise (laughs) that i went for the slightly safer (laughs) option in my career see whereas i wanted to experience what a so like if you look at lots of super shoes now they'll kind of advise advise you on whether to wear them based off your times and like really if you want to get the maximum out of these shoes then you should be running like a sub 230 marathon which obviously i did not um but i wanted to get a sense of (laughs) yeah yeah uh give me a hundred years and a like full transplant into a super robot (laughs) and i'll and i'll be there full transplant into a super robot see i think that little sentence there just gives you an idea of what time it is in japan as we're recording and the fact that sarah has run a marathon today (laughs) (laughs) i'm not i'm not quite as quick as i used to be i wanted to get a sense of what it felt like to run in that shoe and because i don't tend to heel strike it was fine to kind of go all the way through and it was yeah super fast so i enjoyed i enjoyed experiencing that okay so sarah the most exciting thing is obviously you're out there to document the marathon experience so i guess we're going to get a full blow by blow account yes you are in fact i would actually go to say that this is probably the best documented race i've ever done so stay tuned for that because i think there were yeah it was a it was a really really good one to talk about there were so many different things to talk about and i actually wasn't too broken by the end to not to stop filming so uh, yeah i think it i think it's going to be very very good so stay tuned for that to see my hallucinating jet lagged brain run 26.2 miles um you're listening to the running channel podcast up next we're going to briefly touch on the news and then it's time for your question don't forget that this episode is brought to you by new balance and their fuel cell super comp elite v4 which is their ultimate marathon racing shoe and their fuel cell rebel v4 which is their do anything running shoe but skewed towards speed which is what sarah's been using it for in her marathon training and both of them are lighter than their predecessors yes i have been wearing them in training and i know that this isn't a scientific fact but i feel like the placebo effect of if your shoes look fast you will be fast well i always feel like i look fast what about you <laughs> me too especially in these and that's what i've been enjoying in training that kind of like angular geometric design of the shoe just makes me want to go faster yeah. so if you want to look much cooler than me or sarah hey leave me out of it if you want to look cooler than andy wear anything if you want to look cooler than me head to the link in the show notes to check out the rebel v4 and the super complete v4 <laughs> So an incredible summary of Sarah's experience at Osaka Marathon. I can't wait to see the video. And I know, speaking for Rick as well, like we're really proud, pleased, like you're sort of so out of it that you sort of almost don't seem to have appreciated what you've just done. But a 10 minute PB is a massive thing. So yeah, just another well done from me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've got two. 3.49. I know. Let's hammer that. It doesn't feel real. So we're going to dive into one really quick news story because ultimately here we've covered the news here. All the news that anyone cares about is that Sarah ran a marathon and ran really fast. But I've got a light-hearted one just before we Right, let's move to the questions. Cheers. Thanks very much. Yeah, done. All right. (laughs) (laughs) No, go on. Let Andy have his little... Is it... Hang on. Have you got a question that's not about elite runners? A news yeah, story. It's news and it's nothing, it's, yeah, it's, it's news and it's nothing to do with elite runners. So that is a, uh, a result in itself. This well. is just, I saw something and it made me laugh and it's um, in, in Coventry. It was on the Coventry Telegraph, uh, which obviously I'm a regular reader of. I'm not, yeah. but I saw this. Ed leads their, their run, running group there for Run Together. He led a group of his athletes on a, on a new 
running route that none of them had done before, but without having told them what they were going to do. And then when they all got to the pub afterwards, they actually realized that they had drawn an incredible diplodocus um, around the streets of Coventry using their Strava art. So when they logged onto Strava, they got this this really like pretty good, because um, we've had a crack at Strava yeah, art before, haven't we, Sarah? And, and, uh, yeah. yeah, who won that video, by the way? Who did the best Strava art? I think I won it. Yeah. Didn't you, no, you use you cones and like draw a square or something? That's right. I, I did an incredible Strava kudos thumb, and yes, I won that challenge. That's what you. Uh, that's what you're trying to say. Oh, there. kudos so, well, thumb. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done. And th- let's do a little you don't shout seem very out. Enamored with that. Oh, no, she just run a marathon. Is... Leave her alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. But what I was oh, going to say is that um, Jerick, who is very famous for doing Strava art, if you've seen it on Instagram, has recently. I think he either broke his arm or his elbow. So shout out Jerick. Hope oh. you're okay. Hope you're back to drawing Strava art soon. But his ones, if you want to, if you want to see, I mean, go and watch Andy and Rick's version of it because you know they tried. But if you want to go and see some actual Strava <laughs> art, go and look at Jerick because it's okay. It's well, I mean, that started as this nice story about a dinosaur and ended with, <laughs> um, as ever, as everything with you guys just taking the Mickey out of me. But we said we'd keep the news short so that we can get into the more important stuff, which is your questions. So you're listening to the Rain Channel podcast, and next up are your questions. <laughs> Okay, so the first question is from from Philip. Philip. <laughs> What's going on, Rick? You love a royal name. Why can't you pronounce this one? <laughs> Just put Prince in front of it and then you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first question is from Philip. Based on something Andy said about your heart rate, RPE, being different if you train at a different time of day from normal, is it possible to fully adapt to a new time of day? And how long does it take? And how did Andy find competing in the evenings if he preferred to train in the morning? Well, it's kind of multifaceted, Ooh. that question. Okay, I'll try and break it down nice and quick. Um, the So training at heart rate level and RPE are different things. So heart rate is is your body's physiological measurement of, of effort. So how, how many times a minute your heart is beating. And then your RPE is your rate of perceived exertion. So your score out of 10 or 20, depending on what scale you use, we'd usually use 10. So you know, 9 or 10 out of 10, you're all out three or four out of ten is an easy run um and yeah i remember mentioning this that you can have some days where you might run uh, at the same time of day run the same route but you just feel totally different and you run at the same pace but your rate of perceived exertion on one run might be an easy run three or four out of ten and then all of a sudden doing it the next week at the same time same distance same weather conditions whatever and you just don't feel as good and you'd put it at like six out of ten like quite a big difference in how hard it is you probably measure that in heart rate so if you are under uh you stress at work or in your home life or if you've not slept very well and then that might be reflected in heart rate but still you could actually be running at the same heart rate and still feel not feel as good so the question was then how quickly can you or can you change completely yes you definitely can you think about the way that night workers adapt to their kind of circadian rhythms and and, and so on you definitely can change things um i preferred training in the morning because i could get it out of the way but I did have to race in the evenings. So actually in the build-up to major championships, we would switch my workouts so that I would train, um, I'd do my serious track workouts in the evenings. Um, and actually, I didn't like them phys- psychologically because I had to wait to do those training sessions. But I, I, I did run physically better in the evenings. Uh, there's lots of, uh, well, I say lots of, I remember at the time reading various bits of science um, about your circadian rhythms and the way your body adapts and actually training in the, in the evening is probably your optimum time. Really? Optimum time in the evening. That's amazing. I think so. And yeah, some some of my races, like when I ran in Oslo, um, I think my race starts at 10 or 10.30 p.m. 
uh, and enter similarly mm. in the Olympics or the, or the World Championships, you might do a heat. So well, actually, I ran an Osaka a long time ago, Sarah, um, in 2007. That's when <laughs> the World Championships just were. remembered that he went to Japan. um but but that that the the i had three rounds heat semi-final and final and the heats were at midday um and then the final was at like 9 10 p.m at night so having and then there were two or three it was like something like saturday monday wednesday um for the three rounds so actually you had to be prepared for anything uh but that was very difficult not only the jet lag but then racing you know essentially 10 hours apart i think as well it's super useful like if you've got for example if you're traveling somewhere for a for a marathon and you've worked out your timings and you're going to have to get up way earlier than you'd usually get out it's quite good if you're doing a dress rehearsal of like the distance like your longest run it's actually quite beneficial to practice the Mm. the kind of full routine of if you do have to wake up at 6am at least know what it feels like yeah i think that's the that's it's sensible for anything like if you're going to do something rehearse it so rehearse your nutrition for a marathon rehearse your longest run rehearse the shoes or kit that you're going to wear rehearse the timings go through the same routine that you can control control the controllables so if you've got a nice warm-up routine that involves the same distance of running then followed by some nice drills um then that's something that you can always do as long as you allocate the time but yeah do it at 7 p.m at night if that's when your race is going to be um as opposed to doing it doing everything before work We've also got a question from Andy Nixon, who emailed us to ask, when you test various brands and models of shoes in a week of training, does this cause problems with your feet or your body in general? This is a good question. Because we're, yeah. we're obviously in a very unique position here where we get to test different shoes from lots of different brands. And um, if you've ever been to have your kind of gait analysed, you'll know that there are like people will have different preferences and I think it's definitely something that we're all kind of aware of like if you're gonna go if you've been used to a kind of heel to toe drop that's quite high and then you get gifted a brand new pair of zero drop shoes or whatever the brand kind of calls that drop um you don't want to go out straight away in them and run a marathon or a super long run like I think we're all conscious of that that can have a big effect just like you would if you bought a brand new pair um mm. i personally am quite good my feet are quite uh happy jumping into lots of different pairs of shoes but yeah, i the definitely benefits of youth sarah the benefits of youth you can just wear I'm just whatever so you want adaptable and... i'm like plasticine. yeah yeah <laughs> whereas andy yeah. you know is just cracking his foot getting it into the shoe brushing the dust off yeah yeah, just waiting, waiting to for me to turn to dust as well. That's what that's what I feel like. Yeah, just blowing cobwebs off my running kit. Yeah, how do you find uh, it? But no, I, I I quite enjoy testing different shoes. But I would I will play it safe and, and test the different shoes on on shorter, slower runs usually, um, for the first time out. And then when I particularly like a pair of shoes or I've got to put them through their paces to to run a little bit quicker, um, then I can do that in various different ways. But but I would very rarely um, go out and just um, run all out in a pair of shoes. Great. So we've survived the first virtual podcast. I think we should all get a little pat on the back (laughs) for that. Um, Let us know. Email into... Thank you, Rick. Email into (laughs) podcast at therunningchannel.com if you have any questions that you want answering or if you would like us to go to more events and then do a podcast straight after. Maybe not straight after. Maybe we do it the day after. You're remarkably coherent, Sarah. You're uh, yeah. you're remarkably coherent, Sarah. You're, you're really you. with it. I've been very impressed. Please be be nice to us on the audio quality of this because we are recording in three 
completely different places. Yeah. Um, and yeah, email in to ask any questions, but also maybe to congratulate Sarah for her efforts or to let us know um, any of the challenges that you're undertaking because we'd love to hear from you and then maybe we can give you a little shout out on the podcast too. Oh, and Sarah's dangling her medal for us in the Can't picture. Can't show medal, yeah. Um, so yeah. 349. She did a 349. 349. Have fun in Japan. Bye. See you next time. Bye. This episode was brought to you by New Balance and two specific shoes from the Fuel Cell range the Rebel V4 and the Super Comp Elite V4. And there's an incredible amount of technology in both of these shoes. I'm the shoe geek. Sarah hates this bit. The Fuel Cell technology is the midsole foam, which is aimed at being propulsive. So both of these shoes feel fast. And then in the Super Comp Elite V4, there are strategic midsole voids. So essentially gaps or holes in the in the midsole, which in combination with the carbon fiber plate design are aimed at increasing the amount of stored energy that you get. All super shoes are aimed at giving you as much energy back as possible, with these being New Balance's best yet. Well, if you want to check out either the Fuel Cell Super Comp Elite V4 for race day or the Fuel Cell Rebel V4, which could be for race day, it could be for all of your training as well, then head to the link in the show notes.